BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation is live, your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere, Tuesday, March 1st, wherever and however you're connected. Great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with the guy who frankly needs a signed basketball from the BYU men and women for his man cave, Jerem Jordan. Uh, listen, you can enter for your chance to win one of five basketball prize packs that include autographs from the men and women's basketball team, socks, a mini hoop, and more by following BYU TV Sports on Instagram. Like the post, tag friends for more entries. This giveaway starts today. Right now as we speak, through March 7th, five winners will be announced March 8th. On BYU Sports Nation. So uh, follow at BYU TV Sports on IG. Like the post. Tag friends for your chance to win one of five prize packs. Let's Fantastic. go. Fantastic. Get your case ready so that you can display it when you win it. You are all winners today with our show lineup, including an all-access day one recap with BYU football and head coach Kalani Satake sounding off on how his new running back, Christopher Brooks, and why or how he looks, rather, and why he's stoked about his interior lineman. Also, bubble talk for BYU basketball with ESPN College Hoops insider John Gassaway. Will winning two games at the WCC tournament, including a win over USF, be enough to put the Cougars in the bracket? Plus, an elite pentathlete, one more weekly honor for an elite gymnast, and a football card every collector needs. Bring on today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. Spring football began yesterday. Kalani Sataki says the experience the Cougars are bringing back is having an impact. As a program, I think it will help us uh, a big deal. Not worried about guys uh, depth-wise trying to um, you know, get experience. Now we're just more concerned on uh, competition and who's going to win the spots because there's a lot of really good players in every position group. There's a lot of position battles going on. Some of those position battles happening behind Kalani Sataki, as you could hear. David Cannon, Blaine Fowler have a recap of day one coming up in what's happening. Reigning WCC Player of the Year, Shaley Gonzalez is pacing for that honor again after winning WCC Player of the Week for a third time this season. The Cougars, as a team, jump up two spots to number 17 in the latest AP Top 25. However, we're not in the selection committee's updated Top 16 revealed just last night. Maybe after a WCC championship, we'll see. Husseini Traore is the WCC Freshman of the Week for the fourth time this season after a 25.19 rebound game against Pepperdine Saturday. Also, the Cougars are the second team out in Lenardi's latest bracketology. Cole Gamble of BYU Baseball named the WCC Baseball Player of the Week after leading the Cougars to a statement sweep at Arizona State. Gamble hit 471 with two home runs. He scored eight runs. The Batcats host Wisconsin-Milwaukee on Thursday for their home opener at Miller Park and look to continue a five-game win streak. That's the Tijon Lucas series. That's what that is. Gymnastics takes home four of the weekly Mountain Rim Gymnastics Awards with Sadie Minor Van Tassel winning Gymnast of the Week for a seventh straight week and vault as well. Elise Rollins won Beam Specialist and Brittany Witkowskis uh, won Floor as well. BYU men's volleyball hanging on in the latest Top 15 ABCA rankings right at number 15. The Cougars have lost seven matches in a row for the first time since 1991. Tough task to snap that streak this week on the road against number six USC, the first of two matches 
for the Cougars against the Trojans goes down on Friday. Women's golf shot even par at the Gunrock Invitational in Sacramento yesterday, tied for sixth. Former BYU basketball star Yoli Childs continues to excel in the NBA G League. Childs scored 22 points on 11-15 shooting at nine rebounds in a Salt Lake City Stars win over Iowa. And the NFL Combine begins today. Tyler Algier is scheduled to do interviews on Thursday, work out on the field Friday. And this just in moments ago, former Cougar player Vic Soto uh, is reportedly headed to Cal from the Colorado staff where he's been there for a couple of months after being on the USC staff the last couple of years, according to Bruce Feldman. So just moving around the Pac-12. Some transient uh, coaching changes for sure. At least it's not Utah. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. What's Trending presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. BYU football spring day one of the 2022 campaign in the books. So let the rash assumptions and overreactions flow through you all. Practice is great. Any football in March is great, but you better believe we are looking forward with great anticipation to the start of the real games in the 2022 season. So let's go. Countdown to the Bulls. 186. 186 days away for those still counting. If you missed it yesterday, it was 187. <laughs> Dave McCann and Blaine Fowler were at practice yesterday and have this recap from day one. The first official practice of the last year as a football independent is in the books and spring practice is underway. Was there a Big 12 vibe in this first workout? I'll tell you, there was a lot of energy out here today. It, like, the, the team seemed genuinely be excited to be back out on the field and competing and doing all that. Um, you know, they had shoulder pads and helmets yeah, on, yeah. so they were getting after it. Um, and it felt like they were weeks ahead of where they were in the first practice last year. A really deep veteran football team at every position, really. And you could you could feel that out yeah. there. They knew what they were doing. They were right into their drills, and it was like they hit the ground running here. Jaron Hall was on Sports Nation earlier this week and said, hey, I feel 100%. He looked 100%. Yeah, he looked in midseason yeah. form. He's put on a little muscle, so he's a little bit bigger, protect himself from those hits a little bit. But he threw the ball with touch today. He hit some really nice deep balls. He had great velocity on the underneath throws. Uh, he, he looked really, really good and midseason sharp in the first day of practice. We talked with Puka Nakua. This was his first spring practice in all the years of playing football at Division One level. Didn't have any at Washington, was was out last year with, a, with an injured foot. Uh, he said it was awesome. It's awesome to go full speed and be healthy. All Puka does is bring energy to every play he's involved in. And and he's, if you come to practice, he's the guy that just stands out. You go, whoa, that dude can flat out play better than anybody out here. And you combine him with Gunnar Romney at yeah. that wide receiver We spot, saw a couple of bombs today. The, those two guys were making catches all over the place um, out in practice today. And they're uh, going against the best. I loved what I saw in the fact that every time one of those guys came up, uh, D'Angelo Mandel, D'Lo, he would say, I got him. And D'Lo would come up, and, and Puka would come up to the line and go, let's go, D'Lo. Come on, let's go. The best wanted to go against the best. Yeah. The, the, the feeling of competition was out there in this one today. And, and you love that. When the guys are coming out and they're having fun and they're competing, they're getting better when they're going against the best. Finally, we talked with Dallin Hawker, who lost his voice, but he's going at number five. That's going to be his old Lehigh High School number. He feels better at number five. If you feel good, go with it. Isaac Rex we talked to as well. 
He's not in drills, but he thinks he'll be back in the fall. Yeah, he was here and he's walking around. Um, if he's back in the fall, then all of a sudden that tight end room is really, really deep again. And yeah. Dallin Holker, we mentioned that Jaron Hall looks like he put on some muscle. Hol Holker also put on some muscle weight. He still ran like a wide receiver, like we're used to seeing him run, but looks a little bigger. Last year, just off of a mission, you know, got forced right. into action with injuries. This year, he's going to be more prepared to play. He's got a bigger body, and by next fall, I expect him you know, to be 235, 240 pounds and running around. Good to have football in the air. It's fun. Day one is over. Practice number two, Tuesday night. For Blaine Fowler, I'm Dave McCann. It is football season again, even though it's the spring. Indeed. Thank you, Dave McCann and Blaine Fowler. They were talking about guys that put on muscle. That's always one of the things that everybody talks about. I want to know who got fatter. Football. Okay. Like, hey, I didn't – I just ate uh, lard over the break. <laughs> That's what I want to know. Okay. I went last night. Uh, Jaron Hall had two, two dimes that were just uh, incredible. One to Puka on the sideline, one deep to Gunnar Romney. Gunnar's got some flow in the back, by the way. Mm -hmm. Jacob Conover's got, like, football pants on, but he cut them off, like, halfway up his, uh, you know, leg. So, like, Mitch Matthews-type short shorts, yeah, which is uh, an interesting look. I do uh, have some news, uh, sad news to report that Houston Himuli did shave his mustache. It was a great mustache. It was a great mustache. He said he was getting you know roasted, though. It's already it. memorialized in the poster that he created with his yes. little brother, Hema. So, that's, that's you always news. have that. Yes. Yes. Uh, you know, certain guys sitting out with injuries and whatnot. Peyton Wilgar, uh, notably among them. But, uh, yeah, good to see Christopher Brooks in there. He looks Houston, big and strong and Mullen fast. And, yeah, that was great. And Ben Bywater is the offseason yoked player of the day, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes, Benjamin For, got after it. We all want to talk about Basically, oh, he looks football ready right now. BYU is going to win the national championship based on yeah. day one of no pads. Like, like yeah, said, hard to know exactly what that Rash is. assumptions and overreactions. Yeah, I'm going to get a rash from all these assumptions. Let's add to it, shall we? Head coach Kalani Satake added several soundbite gems on day one, so let's listen to a few of those and discuss. Beginning with the aforementioned new running back, transfer Christopher Brooks, and the running back group. He looked really, really good today. And, and um, you know, I, I thought he and Lopini looked really nice and Hinkley did some good things. I mean, that whole group, um, McChesney, I mean, that whole group, that's deep too. So, uh, But from what I saw in Chris and the plays that he made, uh, he, he, he can really fit our scheme. All right. He will. Have yeah. they found the replacement for Tyler Algier? No. You don't replace Tyler Algier, but Christopher Brooks is going to be a good running back. It would be hilarious, though, if they were like, crap, he does not fit our scheme. We'll have to change the scheme, I guess. Yeah, he's going to he's gonna fit into the scheme, which would be great. I, I think we're all stoked for Christopher Brooks, right, that he could become a 1,000-yard guy behind that offensive line. In fact, if he doesn't – if he's the guy, like if he's, he's the starter and it's clear, yeah, yeah. Do we expect 1,000 yards from Christopher Brooks. I do. Behind that offensive line? Absolutely. I'd expect like 300 from you. You know what I mean? Like, behind that offensive yeah. line? I'd be disappointed if I couldn't get at least 300. <laughs> at least 300. Good grief. I didn't say how many carries either, you know? You know, I, I mean, tongue-in-cheek, I ask you, can he replace Tyler Algier? Because you're right. Nobody can replace Tyler Algier. Yeah. But did we see this enough yesterday? This is the pass I was talking about to Gunner right there. Did we see enough yesterday from Chris Brooks to think, okay. <laughs> what? To think he's going to be the starting running back against USF. <laughs> I don't know. We're I'm overreacting, Jerem. No, well, it's not an overreaction to think he will be. Here's why. You don't bring him in to be a backup, per se. You know what I mean? Lopini Katoa is probably feeling like, hey, I've earned the opportunity to get a shot at being the guy or I want to be the guy. 
But to me, Lopini is a great number two. He is. I think Christopher Brooks starts as your guy. Workhorse back, power five dude. Um, has done nothing to not, you know, deserve this opportunity too. And guess what? You probably need both. Like Tyler Algier, the fact that he lasted all season, um, and he was banged up. He played through an injury too. Was incredible. Nothing short of incredible. BYU needed Jackson McChesney at USC. Right? Like, you can't just, like, literally on this show, we can't just rely on you and I to host it. We have to have other amazing people to uh, support, you know? He's going to be the starter. He'll be the starter. Yeah, I think so. Clint Sitake was asked about the five new hires to his coaching staff and if this was just the beginning of the expansion of the staff. Unprecedented is not just only five guys, you know, so we'll see. I mean, I, I don't know if there's a limit to it, but, like, let's just keep it going. I, I think Tom and, and the administration doing, is doing a good job at getting us the resources, and there's a lot more that we propose that we ask for, and, and we'll get there. But I, I, like the, the, I like the momentum that it's gaining and the opportunity that we have to have, you know, just – just to add a resources that get us to that level that we need to be going into this fall and definitely into next year. I love reading between the lines. Sure. Sarcastic Kalani. Come on now. Clearly five's not enough to him. Shoot your shot, brother. <laughs> Make it public. Let's go. He's he is <laughs> five is not unprecedented. He is five guys is actually a restaurant. Very clear about not just what he wants, but what he legitimately feels like he needs to make the transition to the Big Twelve. Yes. No, no bones about it. Sure. Like, yeah. he has stated his opinion. That's got to be the tip of the iceberg. Like, adding some <laughs> some analysts no. and assistant strength and conditioning coaches is awesome. But it's not the end, right? And it's clearly not the end. BYU has, and this is an approximation, about an average of 20 fewer staff members per football staff within the current construct of the Big 12. So 20? Yeah. Adding five Wait, brings yeah. that number a little bit closer to what they want to be to be like the other Big 12 institutions. Only 15 more. Let's go. <laughs> Is Kalani going to get what he wants? We hope. Coach, if he doesn't, you'll hear more sarcastic sound bites like that. Coach Satake, not surprisingly, is excited about what he sees already from his offensive line, but he also likes what he saw from his defensive line on day one, which may qualify to some as a surprise. I'm really excited about our depth. I, I thought we've always had some really good ta- talent, but um, the the game ready talent I've seen from the O line, I, I, I mean, don't underestimate the D line. D line is going to be really good too. And they're strong. They're just young, and uh, they'll grow up a lot in the next next few months before we get for fall camp. So I'm excited about the big boys. I want to see them, you know, put the helmets on and clash a little bit and get bigger and stronger, and but gain more valuable com- competition and, and experience. Some violent experience in, the, in, the, in spring football. Violent experiences. Violent experience. Jerem, will the Cougars own both sides of the ball in the trenches in the 2022 season? O-line is pretty proven, and you add a healthy Harris Lachance back and Kingsley Suamatia, one of the highest recruits ever signed. The O-line to me is like, yeah, that better be dominant. The D-line, I'm excited for when that happens. I hope that's soon. They just have more to prove in that regard. And we're talking about, okay, are you, are you stuffing the run at a high level, which BYU has done a good job traditionally, not as much last year, but like previously. And then, hey, can you get to the quarterback sometimes when there's a traditional drop back? I'm not talking about when they get the ball out quick. You're not going to get to the quarterback. It's those, okay, third and long, they need to drop back, and you get some real pressure on, and you affect the play. Uh, create some havoc more often, more regularly. That's what we're looking for. Young guys like Logan Fano and company hopefully add to that group. 
Yeah, how much youth is on that defensive line based on all the experience that that youth picked up in actual games last year? He said they're still a little bit young, but they don't feel so young anymore. They went through a lot of tough stuff, a lot of reps. A lot of guys got meaningful reps last year on that defensive line. So do it. All right, our question of the day. What's your BYU spring football day one (laughs) overreaction? BYU's winning the national championship. (laughs) Let's get to Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. Bradley Perkins in line with you, Jerem, on Facebook. College football playoff. Here we come. You said overreaction, right? Jaron Hall will win the Heisman. Blue goggle alert. (laughs) <laughs> and BYU will go to college Oh, my football. goodness. No, that's not, neither of those are happening. Now, uh, what's something that uh, could happen? Our, our boy Cam Meller, once again, going out on a limb. He said Jaron Hall is a first-round talent. No, that's pretty blue goggle. Like, first-round talent. If you just tell me Jaron Hall draft pick next year, I go, oh, that's great. I love it. You want an overreaction? BYU is going to win 10 games next year. Yeah. You're another one? Jaron Hall is going to throw for 4,000 yards. That'd be great. Let's go. If Jaron Hall plays in every game, he's got a shot. That's the key. <laughs> Will Jaron Hall play in every game? That is the you know, key. You know what I mean? Like, let's get this guy uh, as healthy as possible. Hashtag BYUSN to join that conversation. Coming up, Spencer's new rookie card. Or was that Zach Wilson's? Plus, ESPN College basketball analyst John Gassaway is winning two games in Las Vegas, enough to put BYU men's basketball in the bracket. We'll ask him next on BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Join us tonight for the season finale of BYU Basketball. Mark Pope, Alex Barcelo, and Tijon Lucas are the guests with the coach and Gregory Rubel. Tonight at 8.30 Eastern on the BYU TV Cannot wait for that. I know the Mapleton Woo! 20th Ward Deacons will be there. A.B. and T. John hanging out together. That's a fitting end to the They've year. played roughly 1,000 basketball games. Seriously. It's more like uh, 500, but yeah. We are live in Studio B with your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. I'm Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. Joining us now over the phone is ESPN.com College Hoops Analyst, John Gassaway, who frankly lives his life on the bubble with all of those bubble teams in the NCAA tournament. John, welcome to BYU Sports Nation. Thank you for having me. It's good to be here. What's your daily routine like in the month of March as a college basketball analyst and pseudo-bracketologist? I wake up bleary-eyed from having watched uh, usually some Mountain West game (laughs) until – uh, late Eastern time at night, and then I have to roll out of bed promptly and uh, check the how the various uh, metrics that the actual committee looks at, how those have changed uh, overnight, make sure that uh, all the categories at uh, BubbleWatch at ESPN.com still make sense uh, given what has changed and uh, just dive right in. It's uh, it's hectic, but, you know, it's only roughly from the Super Bowl to Selection Sunday, and uh, it's an interesting way to live. It gives me the rest of the year to kick around it. <laughs> yeah, it's like a, a sprint for a month, right, which is uh, crazy. Yeah. Okay, so where do you have BYU as it pertains to the bubble and the NCAA tournament? I love when there's universal agreement. It's not only Bubble Watch that has BYU as one of the first four teams out. Uh, bracketmatrix.com has them in the exact same place. 
my good friend and colleague Joe Lunardi has BYU as one of the first four teams out, which of course means the committee is going to make BYU a one seed. Uh, none of us. <laughs> None of us are the committee, and everything that uh, we're going to say going forward here carries that disclaimer. The committee will do whatever it wants, but uh, based on past uh, selections and a lot of work, this is this is the consensus right now that if the selection were her, were, were held today, BYU would would be just on the wrong side of the cut line. ESPN College Hoops analyst John Gassaway with us on BYU Sports Nation. John, I feel strongly, and I've been saying this for a few weeks, that if BYU just gets an opportunity at a quad one win in Las Vegas at the WCC tournament by taking on San Francisco, just maybe that's enough to push them on the right side of the bubble. Of course, they got to beat either LMU or Pacific on Friday to earn that opportunity now. But in your opinion, if BYU wins that first game and then they beat a good USF team head-to-head on Saturday night, is that enough to bolster the Cougars' resume and put them into the bracket? It is absolutely necessary that they first survive the game against LMU or Pacific and then beat San Francisco. That is absolutely necessary. Whether that will be enough, uh, we can't say. And it might not be because if you look at the teams that are right you know, side by side with BYU, uh, they need wins too. And they are in conference tournaments too. And they'll get quad one opportunities. So, you know, teams like... SMU, for example, can run into uh, Houston in their conference tournament, perhaps. Um, you know, Oregon maybe can run into UCLA or USC or somebody. So everybody is who's on the bubble is, is in this similar boat. You know, the only team that's uh, competing team that BYU has a real advantage on that way is Loyola Chicago. They're not going to get good opportunities in uh, the Missouri Valley tournament. So, Yes, BYU does need to beat San Francisco, and uh, even that might not be enough, sadly. Yeah, and that's yeah. It, the hope is that BYU gets that chance and then plays competitively enough against Gonzaga on the Monday in the semifinal to not drop too far. Okay, so give us a sense of on the bubble. How far in do you need to be to feel comfortable? Because if you're the one of the first four in, you're still maybe you know out. Do you need to get into those first four buy spots to to feel a little better? Yes, because the committee uh, usually drops at least one bombshell, you know, that makes everybody go, what? You know, we, uh, we, had, we had that team, not just first four out, but next four out, and they're, they're in. And sometimes, you know, I, I like to imagine the committee doing it on purpose, saying, look, you know, this will, <laughs> this will get all those guys <laughs> at Bracketology. We're just going to do this out of left field. So, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, last year, for people with a long memory last year was kind of strange because there were a smaller number of games all the cancellations but still people thought they felt pretty good about louisville uh getting in and uh the committee said nah no that's going to utah state instead so there's there's certainly always the potential for a significant surprise yes john if you would be so kind and explain to me a team like North Carolina versus a team like BYU, when you just look at the resume, the Tar Heels have a better net than BYU by roughly 10 spots, depending on you know what day you're looking at it. But they have one quad one win, and they have a quad four loss, almost inexplicably, against Pitt at home, just like BYU had against Pacific. So why are those two teams viewed so differently when BYU is – four and five uh, or, or three and four in quad one opportunities and North Carolina only has one quad one win. 
Well, what the net ranking is responding to is it thinks that North Carolina is the stronger team uh, based on the whole season. Uh, the net uh, looks at games that North Carolina has lost to and how well they did in those losses. And it thinks that if we could get, uh, and just speaking head to head here, if we could get the Tar Heels and the Cougars together on a neutral floor and play a best of seven series or better yet, you know, a hundred games, uh, the net's pretty confident that North Carolina would, would come out on top on that. So that's, what that is speaking to. Now, the committee looks at two completely independent uh, types of metrics, and the net ranking is a sorting metric, but it also is measuring team strength. Uh, the committee likes to look at uh, metrics called strength of record is one and KPI is the other, and those just look at wins and losses. They're not looking at your the, the strength of your performance at all. They're just looking at, you know, which, which games did you win and which did you lose? So that's where North Carolina is a little weaker. And, you know, on balance, uh, they're coming in above BYU, not by much, but it's a significant portion of division one where you say you're about six spots ahead of BYU. That's not a lot, but it's the difference between in and out right at this portion that we're talking about. And I wonder if Oregon, if Oregon has, uh, you know, a nice little finish to the season, maybe gets a couple wins here and there and climbs into the top 50 and becomes a, another quad win for BYU, that perhaps with five quad one wins, because BYU is four at the moment, maybe that might be in BYU's favor. We'll see. You, you have to win, right. but you also have to hope the teams around you do well, but also Oregon's in the mix for one of those bubble right. positions. So it's awkward. And we've talked about, do we want Oregon to just straight up lose or do we want them to win a little bit to become top 50 and somehow still be out? Right. right. These are great examples because Oregon, you know, is, is the opposite of North Carolina. Oregon's the kind of uh, Rutgers of the Pac-12 yeah. where they, they've, you know, they, they came within <laughs> a, they came within a possession of sweeping, you know, UCLA and USC. And that's incredible. Uh, they didn't quite get it done. They did sweep UCLA, but they've got some terrible losses, too, and just a, a really tough team to figure. So you're right. Uh, if these numbers that we were talking about with BYU and North Carolina, if you look at them with Oregon, uh, the metrics are like, you're crazy. <laughs> you know, they're, they're not even close. No way. But, uh, you know, if you see them play basketball, you know how good they are. You know they're capable of beating anybody, and what the Ducks have to do right now is take care of business uh, on the road against Washington and Washington State to uh, even stay in this conversation. John, hypothetically speaking, if BYU beats USF, what are the chances that the West Coast Conference actually puts four teams into the tournament? It could happen, and, you know, that is the that is the blessing and the curse of membership in a conference that good is, uh, you know, BYU kind of got into this uh, first four out fix in the first place because uh, the Cougars lost four in a row. And with three of those, you say, well, this is a really good league. You know, I mean, losing at Santa Clara and, you know, even at home to San Francisco and, of course, at home to Gonzaga, you know, no shame there. And that's true. I mean, you know, great teams have lost all those games. St. Mary's lost at Santa Clara. But you throw in that, you know, Pacific loss, and that's exactly what happens to teams and leagues like the Big 12, you know, is they lose four games in a row, and you're like, oh, well, what are you going to do? Like, no, wait a minute. Look at this, this one loss to West Virginia. That's, that's actually pretty bad. Um, that's kind of what happened to BYU, and it's a good thing for the West Coast Conference front office that the league is strong enough 
uh, to quite conceivably put four teams in. But uh, you've got to be vigilant, man, when you're when you're playing your league schedule. Uh, and uh, that did come up and uh, bite BYU a, a little bit. It's a combination of things, but that is uh, that is one of the things. John, if you had to put a percent chance on BYU making the tournament, what would you put it at right now? I would put it at about forty percent. Okay, great stuff. Which, which is good. I want to point out. If you tell me, <laughs> yeah, if you tell no, me I take it. I, I've, no, if you tell me I've got a forty percent chance of winning the lottery tonight, you know I am really excited. Yes. That's great. Yeah, so uh, I think it's a good chance. Hey, we appreciate your time, uh, especially in the midst of such a crazy month. Uh, so thanks for hanging out with us on BYU Sports Nation. Let's do it again soon. And I wish you rest once March Madness, or at least Selection Sunday, is over. Sounds good. Thank you so much for having me. John Gassaway, ESPN.com, College Hoops analyst. He writes great stuff. His bubble watch is super in detail. I'm looking at it on a daily basis. This is my life right now. I appreciate what he does because – I mean, I just can't get enough of it. I think the bubble is super fascinating. He says 40%. That's, 40%. I, that's a little better than the 3.7% chance that take Team it. Rankings is giving BYU. I'd take 40% right now. Holy cow. Coming up, will Power 5 status make us more unbearable? And should BYU football bring back the bibs as a retro uniform? Oh, my gosh. Like ever? This is BYU Sports That's now. one of the worst questions ever asked on this program. But how would you answer it? Let me tell you right now. BYU Sports Nation is brought to you by Marisk, enabling global trade for a growing world. Enter for your chance to win one of five BYU basketball prize packs that include autographs from the women and men's teams, socks, mini hoop, and more by following BYU TV Sports on Instagram. Like the post, tag friends for more entries. The giveaway runs through March 7th. Five winners will be announced on this very program March 8th. Can you win? No. Can you win? No. All right. We got to figure out a way to get you. I also can't win. No, I'll just go get one. That's (laughs) none dish. He is Jeremiah Spencer. This is BYU Sports Nation to interact with the show and get content throughout today. Follow us on all the major social media platforms Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Time to whip it. Cougar Whip Around presented by Marisk, your integrated container logistics company enabling global trade for a growing world. Would it win against San Francisco on Saturday? Assuming BYU will try. Do it last night, San Diego State win at Wyoming did. Absolutely. I mean, we're talking about a very, very similar circumstance. San Diego State was just behind BYU on the bubble. In a quad one opportunity, they won that game. Why would it not do that for BYU? Yeah, it, it feels like BYU would go from two out to maybe three or four in. That's that good of a win on Saturday the, if they get it. The hope is that that would hold because it's, <laughs> it's going to be eight days before Selection Sunday. So the hope is that it's like, can BYU not slide out? Yeah, it's going to be a, a white-knuckle finish for BYU men's basketball, uh, driving to what they hope is an NCAA tournament spot. Hopefully it's a fifth quad one win, maybe a sixth, Jerem, if Oregon you know what? sneaks in there. I don't know. I think winning in the NIT may be better than losing in the first round, said the idiot. Oh, gosh. Jerem, this is March, officially. It's March 1st. It but is. will a BYU basketball team be playing in April? Spencer, I have a shocking answer for you. No. I really hope the women's team makes a Sweet 16 run or better. But yeah, April would be like the Final Four? April would be 
yeah. program changing. That, that'd be amazing. <laughs> Earth moving. Listen, this women's team could go on any kind of run they want to. You know what I mean? But like, I'll take the Sweet 16. Sure. I would take the Sweet 16. It's so often about matchups. Like, what region and quadrant does BYU get put in? Which number one seed yeah. would they be playing in the Sweet 16? Like, it's all about matchups. All right, Jerem, take us to uh, some with the retro Tampa, uniforms. Yes, with the Tampa Bay Bucks bringing back the cream school unis for 2023, should the Cougars bring back the bibs for the inaugural Big 12 season? Uh, no. no. It's just too soon. It's still too soon. There will never be a time where these will be a good look. <laughs> Ever. Ne- I, never. For a, for a one-off, maybe against like, uh, you know, an old Mountain West foe 10 years down the road, maybe. It's just too soon. No, never. Never? They should, they should be used for, you know, uh, animals cleaning up stuff. No, ne- ne- they're the worst. That Cer- was an ab- that was an apostasy. Certainly an not for the ino- certainly not for the inaugural Big 12 season. Even Rob Morris hates him, and he was like one of the best players on the team. Come on, man. At West Coast Football, asked the following question on Twitter: Which Western college football programs fans <laughs> would become unbearable if said team ever became a powerhouse? Jeremy, do BYU fans need to become a powerhouse program to finally become? Unbearable. Well, Cougar Board is already unbearable. Uh, yeah, we would be. Become, be nice. We would be, why? We would become pretty unbearable uh, if that happened. We're still waiting for Utah to become a powerhouse because they would be unbearable too. Well, Utah One fans Rose already Bowl think BYU fans are unbearable. We are. What's over there? We're all unbearable. One Rose Bowl in 11 years does not make you a powerhouse. Oh, for a second, you were saying one Rose Bowl, and I didn't know how far back you were going to go, and I thought you might be talking about UCLA. UCLA. Yeah, it's like 94 or something. <laughs> <laughs> Got to so get the bad. daily dig on the uh, UCLA Bruins college football program. Viewer <sighs> Sports Nation viewer, Nelvin Wilson tweeted that he finally got the Spencer Linton rookie card. Oh. Oh, and that Zach Wilson was on it, too. So happy. Um, is, is this actually your rookie card featuring Zach Wilson? Mm, debatable. You know, I always wanted to There's be on a these. sports card. I collected a ton of these. I'm still waiting for the Beckett magazine to come back so that we can get the actual value of this rookie card. And the value is 97 cents. Me and that other guy named Zach Wilson. That other chump. <laughs> this is definitely a Zach Wilson rookie card. Yeah. I am very out of focus in the background. <laughs> we should do that right now with you. Can we do that? Can you pull focus here on Spence? Oh, very just, just Super out, out of focus. Out of focus. Out of, just Take out of focus. Take me out of Roll focus. It. It's what I, yeah. There you go. There, we there go. you go. Now, that. now that, that's exactly what I look like in the rookie card right there. <laughs> Fantastic. Let's see the rest except of the I'm segment like, with this. I'm like folding my arms. I'm looking <laughs> concerned because... So, I, you know, I know that play, Jerem. That's it's it's on the final drive, and Zach is scrambling for a few yards of, uh, to get out of bounds to save of, some time. Of what? At the Tennessee game in the fourth at quarter. Tennessee. Yes, on that final drive. Yeah. There's a reason yes. I was looking concerned. It was not good. Not good. Coming up. We're back in focus. There we go. Top five Tuesday: the best plays of the women's basketball season. Plus BYU women's track and field star Haley Folsom Walker. Yeah. How does one get involved in the pentathlon? This is BYU Sports Nation. Baller, man. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Join us on Brigham Young University Television for West Coast Conference Tournament basketball coverage starting tomorrow, 3 Eastern. We'll uh, broadcast 12 games, got halftime shows, and 
goes between games, plus BYU Sports Nation, live from the Orleans Arena. And as my grandpa used to call it, lost wages. Well, it's fitting. Depends <laughs> <laughs> how aggressive you're going to be. Straight up, that, yeah. is, that is fitting. Yeah. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation, live from Studio B. As Jerem mentioned, I'll be in Vegas on Thursday. You'll be here hanging out with Tyler Hawes. You'll be in Vegas tomorrow. That's true. Yeah. I, I will be in Las Vegas tomorrow yeah. night. Yeah. How about that? Uh, other important things, like BYU track and field pentathlete Hallie. Don't call her Haley like I just Don't do did. It. Hallie Folsom-Walker joins us in Studio B. Welcome to the show. Oh. Thank you. Glad to be here. Are you the? Is she the first pentathlete we've ever had in studio, perhaps? I, you might maybe. be. There's a good chance. We've talked, There's to, a, a, good we've talked to a heptathlete. I'm trying to remember. But not pentathlete? Pentathlete. Yeah. Okay. Same, Congratulations. Same, same, but different. Yes, sure. Sure. Yes, it's, it's a little a different. Yeah. Hey, so first question is, how did you get introduced to the pentathlon? Because it is such a unique event. Yeah. So it started out in high school. I, you know, as most of us on the track team are, are we get used for our points. And um, I was doing a lot of different events. My coach asked if I had ever heard of the heptathlon, which I hadn't. And so he told me what it was. It sounded really fun. Um, I started to do all the events one by one and then ended up running an 800. And uh, sadly, that is seems to be the gift that I was given. So <laughs> I um, ran an 800 and I ran a fast time. And after that, I got a bunch of colleges saying, hey, you should be a heptathlete for us. And so the heptathlon is done outdoor. The pentathlon is done indoor. Mm. So currently I'm doing the pentathlon. Okay, and then heptathlon here coming up in the outdoors. Yeah, coming that, up. That's, that's very cool. That's awesome. Okay, so you have one of the most athletic families ever, perhaps. <laughs> dad, uh, dad played at Ricks and Brown. Yeah. That's a combo yeah. that no one's <laughs> ever had before, by the way. Mom played tennis here. Yeah. Older brother Rob played baseball at Oregon State. Your brother Ryan played here at BYU. That's, that's pretty awesome. Was a- athletics a huge deal in your family growing up? Uh, yeah, it's just what we all loved. You know, we do Folsom Family Olympics every time everybody was What home. is this? <laughs> it consisted of a, a mile run, swimming in the summertime. We do relay wow. races in the pool, lots of knockout, lots of tennis. Since my mom, my mom can still beat us all. She's 60 oh. years old, still beats still every one of us. It. Yeah. So we just love sports. It's, the, it's just fun. Wholesome Family Olympics. Yeah. You're in the right That's place. Cool. <laughs> you are in the right place That's right awesome. now. Hallie Folsom Walker is with us on BYU Sports Nation. Uh, not to throw in uh, anything else uh, to your long list of accomplishments, but you served the mission in Mongolia. Sure did. Okay. Yeah. So how do, how does an athlete, like, how do you go to Mongolia? I mean, did you try and stay in shape? Did you try and run? What did you do out there? Because we all know that going on a mission is such an it's, athletic it's, advantage. It's advantage. Yeah. All you do is work We hear out. about it from all yeah. the opposing coaches. Such an advantage. Oh, so I did. I'm how was it an advantage for you? Oh, man. Well, you know, doing a Shanti workouts in my apartment <laughs> at 6.30 in the morning, getting, you know, the broom hit on the ceiling because I was jumping on the floor. Um, for being too loud. Um, you know, I just re- really tried, just did a lot of body weight stuff in my apartment. On one particular area, we, um, I was in kind of the, the park city of Mongolia. It's the, the touristy town. I mean, it's tiny, but that's, that's what I'd compare it to. It's right on the border of Mongolia and Russia, and they happen to have just held their summer games. They have a really big holiday in the summers, and so they built a track there for those games and I happened to be serving in that area so I got about eight weeks of nice running around this track and my companion would sit in the middle and just stretch while I ran (laughs) (laughs) that's funny 
Yeah. Uh, Genghis Khan, huge in Mongolia. Yeah, it's actually pronounced Genghis Khan. Oh my gosh, look at you! How did you know that? Because I've talked to a Mongolian about it. Oh one yeah, time. yeah. That, that's right? the man. Did I, I said it correctly? Perfectly. Genghis Khan. Genghis Khan. Yeah, I get yeah. that guttural. <laughs> yeah. I he, think I had a sore throat for about a week in the MTC because I was like <laughs> <laughs> trying sure. to figure it out. Would, would he have been uh, good at the pentathlon? Because I learned, uh, I learned in uh, World Civ pre fifteen hundred uh-huh. that the that. Uh, Chinggis Khan and his <laughs> homies were so good at shooting arrows, they could do like a hundred yards turning around on a horse. Like crazy stuff. Yeah, no, that's so that's they still do it to this day. Oh, wow. That's that that holiday I was talking about. It's called Nadam. And there's three sports wrestling, archery, and forgetting the third one right now, but archery is one of them. And, and pickleball. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Cornhole. Oh, horse racing. Duh. Horse racing. Okay. Okay. Horse yeah. racing. Yeah. So. Yeah, so they still do it, and they're still incredible. Wow, yeah. that's cool. What's your favorite event within the pentathlon or heptathlon, depending on whether you're outside or indoors? Yeah, uh, whatever I'm doing the best at that day, that's the best one. <laughs> <laughs> so the the pentathlon can be brutal. There's some days that uh, you do well in all five, and some days that you do well in four, and one of them ruins your day. Mm. So whatever one's going well is the one I love. I, at this point, I've been doing them long enough that I feel like I I love all of them. So It's such a unique athletic situation, right? Because you're doing all these different things. Um, yet I'm reading in high school that you were a state champ from Medford in mm-hmm. the hurdles and the high jump. Yeah. That's pretty good. <laughs> and then uh, how'd, how'd you do again at the MPSF championships last week? Um, was able to get the dub at yeah. the yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. MPSF yeah. champ, that's yeah, what's yeah. up. I, I won. Yeah. <laughs> Take that, Chinggis Khan. Yeah, exactly. Proclaim it. Yeah. You are the winner. Uh, what are your ambitions within the sport as you push forward? Um, right now, it's kind of unknown. I feel like this, because of COVID, I've had a little longer to continue my career than I might have thought. Um, you know, back in 2015 when I was a freshman. But I am kind of looking forward to some more and some more opportunities that might come my way. So, Oh, that's exciting. And, and remind me, did you qualify for NCAA championships yeah. in indoor? Awesome. Yeah, qualified. Amazing. So that's Fantastic. coming up in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I'll see you in Alabama in a couple of weeks. Let's go. Alabama. <laughs> we would love to go as well. That'd be great. What What are you expecting from yourself there? What's What's the goal there? Yeah, the goal is to place in the top eight. I'm 11th right now in the ranking. Okay. Um, there's about four points between me and eighth place so it's really tight right there um but i think that first team all-american is kind of the goal that i'm shooting for so and and what have you done previously what's your high um my pentathlon high or just the placing in nationals oh at nationals last year i got 14th okay so okay. came in 15th came out 14th so i got a little there you uh, go <laughs> some there you some go. movement some so movement. there's a shot at first team all-american here. yeah shot at first team i'd love to score some points for the fantastic. team fantastic hallie folsom walker is on byu sports station the modern pentathlon and i know all about this because i covered this in palm springs california Okay, so like the World Cup pentathlon came to Palm Springs okay. for one of their events. Cool. It's fencing, shooting, swimming, horse riding, and cross country running. Mm. I feel like you could do all this. Would you ever consider competing in a modern pentathlon? In a modern pentathlon. What were all five again? Read them to me. <laughs> fencing. Okay, that one's a new one. Shooting. Mm. Swimming, you'd be fine. I could do that. Riding. Horse riding. I do that. Channel your inner Shingas Khan. And grew, then, up, grew up on a farm, had some horses. There so you I've go. I've done that you once know. or twice. Cross country yeah. running. Yeah, that one's easy. So I just got to learn two. Two of the three. That's <laughs> better, better uh, ratio than I had coming into college. I knew like four of the seven. So I was like. Yeah. Hey, not bad. Yeah. Fencing and shooting. 
Yeah. Uh, Fencing's the one that's out yeah, there, Yeah, I'm, I'm a little yeah. worried about that one. Give me a few years. Okay. <laughs> and a really good coach. You got, you got time. <laughs> you got time. Holly, it's great to talk to you. Let's give you some BYU Sports Nation karma. Uh, you, the, the way it happens is great yeah. athletes come on the program. Yes. You get the karma. Okay. And we you want take your that next step. Herbie Hancock. Perfect. Yes, oh, we'd love here. you to sign yes. the flag as well. Okay. Awesome. Okay, NCAA cha- Indoor Championships coming up in a couple of weeks. Alabama. She got the karma now. Let's go. Okay, coming up, farewell to a mustache. And the top five BYU women's basketball plays from an already unforgettable and historic season. This was tough to cut it down to five. This is BYU's uh, – uh, excuse me. This is BYU Sports It's an emotional thing. I well, Hallie, the tears out of <laughs> This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Delta Airlines. Keep climbing. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. BYU Sports Nation, always available on demand via the BYU TV and BYU radio apps. Or download the podcast. You can uh, do what's called Googling BYU Sports Nation podcast. Subscribe, rate it, and review it if you would like. Throw it in Netscape Navigator. You can Put it in there. It. Your Mozilla you, you can't browser. Miss it. Yes, Lycos. What? What's that one? It's Lycos? I don't know that one. One of the many browsers. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, I digress. Bring on Top 5 Tuesday presented by Delta Airlines. Keep climbing. Again, this was legitimately tough, narrowing down the top five plays from the BYU women's basketball regular season. An impossible task, but we set out to do it. Here we go. Number five, Tegan Graham sets the women's basketball three-point record, hits her 10th. Three. Are you Woo! kidding me? 10? 10 of 17 from three overall. 30 points. She didn't, she didn't score any other points besides those threes because, you know what? It's 2022. All you need is threes. This three gave BYU a two-point lead with one remaining. This was one of the two losses on the year, but it's not a bad loss. Hey, not a bad loss at all. Well, maybe if BYU didn't shoot 20 fewer free throws in Oklahoma, they probably win this game. <sighs> quattro, <Yeah>. quattro. <laughs> Thank you. Maria Albiero from Brazil with love channels her inner Jaron Hall and fires a one-handed dart to Shaley Gonzalez for the and one. Albiero, as they say, threading the needle with pinpoint precision. And these two aren't done on this list. And it was against Gonzaga. Number three, Shaley Gonzalez misses a three but follows her shot by tip- tipping it over the defender for the rebound and score. Her reaction in time to this is incredible. The tip up and in, boom. That's an infinity IQ play. It's just so good. At number two, as advertised, more Albiero to Gonzalez, and here it is, another saucy bit of sharing between the mm. two. But this time, Shaley catches and finishes all in one silky smooth motion with her left hand jumping off her left foot. That is ridiculous. Gonzalez able to control the long pass and calmly kiss it off the glass for the score. The kiss off the glass. That's a crazy play. What could possibly be better than that? This one. Shaylee Gonzalez changes his direction on a dime, blows by a defender. Number four spot on SportsCenter's top ten mm-hmm. play. But more importantly, number one Ooh. right here. Behind the back and Ooh. in. Oh. Shaylee mm. Gonzalez for president. Oh. He's so good, dude. That is dirty. I, your discretion advised. That's the dirtiest thing we've ever shown on BYU TV. <laughs> that's, uh, yeah. That's mm. just fantastic. so good. 
well done. We, and we well will, deserving in Sports Center's top. Three. We apologize to Utah State for absolutely nothing. <laughs> for absolutely nothing. <laughs> Our question of the day. <laughs> What's your favorite of those top five plays? Carnage in those top five. Just shredding fools. BYU women's basketball rolling. They deserve to be a top four seed. Rolling, rolling, rolling. That's the first Limp Biscuit quote perhaps in the history of this program. Uh, Yeah. May there be many more. It will stay there. (laughs) I'm not sure we can fit many more in. I do it all for the Cougar Tales. Nope. Yep. Okay. For the Maple Bars. Our question of the day. What's your BYU spring football day one overreaction? Our elite voice of the day presented by Sundance Mountain Resort. Bill Elliott on Facebook says, Bill? Spring ball is like the Lego movie. Everything is awesome. Everything is cool when you're part of a team. I like that. Although I do like uh, this nomination, uh, Cougar Chaps. Same as every year, national championship mm-hmm. potential, but honestly, grateful for BYUSN giving us updates so I have a bona fide reason to don the blue goggles. Yep. Hashtag 1984 was just the first. We're here for you. Yes, we are. We are here for you. I don't know why that's the voice I heard from you, but that's what it was. So if you didn't like it, I apologize. By the way, Lego Movie. Absolutely nothing. Lego Movie, still great. I was listening to it as my kids were watching it in our van. I can't see it, but I was cracking up. It's It's so good. It's so hilarious. So good. Today's Rise and Shoutouts presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Uh, Rise shoutout to Houston Haymooley's mustache. Which is now gone. It was great. Yeah. But memorialized again in the recreation yes. of the poster, his dad. 100%. 100%. Okay, number two, Kyle Van Noy, who is now a girl dad. Daddy girl is here. Daddy's girl, he said, is here. Giovanna Monet Van Noy, February 23rd. Mom is doing really well and is a champ. Baby's doing great as well. That's great. Kid number two for the Van Noys. That's awesome. Congratulations to both. To their whole family, for that matter. Our thanks to today's guests, John Gassaway and Hallie Folsom-Walker. Started in a spit we ran out of time. For Jerem, I'm Spencer. Shout out to Kim Beeston-Parker. We'll see you tonight for BYU Basketball with Mark Pope to preview the WCC Tournament. A, B, and T, John on the show. Go Cougs!